0: Well, you heard Bobby McCurry a moment ago take us all the way back to the beginning. with Jesus' arrival, the baby Jesus' arrival. And there in that place, there were angelic presents all over the place. The place was just rife with angels. In fact, untold, uncountable numbers. It says, And lo and behold, along with Gabriel there was... A multitude, it said, of the heavenly host. And they were praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill, among people whom God loves. Funny thing about the heavenly host, they're a choir, but they're more than a choir. Host is a military term. It is a combat term. It has to do with the armies of Israel or the armies of anybody that are covenant people of God. And so we're talking about showing up at Jesus' birth, not to do battle, but to be the choir of the heavenly armies that fight against all, that's God, all that seeks to thwart God's loving purposes and will in the supernatural world and in the world we know that point of the thing. Well, old Michael, the archangel Michael, had to have been there because Michael... Only one of three angels, identified by name in all of Scripture, interestingly enough, Michael is the commander of the angelic armies. Those of you that have done your Bible study here and there and there and here, you've come across him before in the biblical narrative, and you know that he leads the charge when the charge needs to be led. Michael, as we know it, is a compound word in the Hebrew, It's a compound word that is so often used as a a concept in biblical literature, in the biblical witness. Two words mashed together to form a proper name, let's say, like Michael, like Gabriel, or like the third archangel identified in Scripture, and only three, Raphael. And that, at the end of the word, you have the notion, or or the word El, which is the common name for God in the Aramaic and in the Hebrew, and then mika mikael strength god power god that's what michael means it means the power and might of god gabriel gabriel god gabriel an interesting word in the hebrew it means wisdom it means the strength of god which is based not in might but in wisdom in The intent of this God, in his wisdom, to be connected with God's people, Gabriel. Well, if you think about that a little bit, you already begin to see the connections in terms of why these particular angels in the biblical narrative are there, and they behave out elements of God's nature, character, and purpose. Remarkable. Raphael, perhaps... The least used of all, but we know something about what Raphael is all about. El, at the end of his name, God, Rapha, healing, in the Aramaic, in the Hebrew. The healing, presence, purposes, will of God, the God who heals, in all sorts of ways. One of the old times, still very valid Descriptive phrases that we oftentimes use for Jesus is what? Jesus, the great physician? Yes, yes. The healing power of God. And so here in the midst of all of this, but beginning all the way back in the very birth, when of our Lord Jesus, in that manger in Bethlehem of Judea, angels showed up by the gazillions. Michael in the lead. Gabriel in the prior to that coming and saying to Mary and to and to Zachariah and to Elizabeth this God who is wise in his wisdom has located you to be a part of the playing out of the wisdom and purposes of God and God will be with you Michael leading the choir the commanding general leading the choir the greatest weapons that the armies of heaven have is not the awesome might to destroy, but the great opportunity to praise. And it is the praise and worship of God that ultimately defeats all the foes. Not much of anything else. The world is yet to learn that. The world is yet to learn that lesson, I think. Would you not agree? Ah, yes. Michael, Gabriel, Raphael, the irresistible power of God, the incomparable wisdom of God, the absolutely indispensable healing of God in your life and mine. All of that was there. All of that is there in the biblical narrative. Most of it at the very beginning that you heard Bobby read. read, And then the word that I shared with you out of Matthew's Gospel, that whole experience of The resurrection moment when an angel of the Lord comes, rolls that stone away, and then plops himself down on it, or herself down on it, or itself down on it. I have no earthly idea. I will leave it up to you today, my friends. I'll leave it up to you today to continue your own reflection and understanding and exploration of why in the world angels are a part of the biblical witness but I've known many people, many, many, many people, over the course of time, all across the body of Christ, far beyond the body of Christ, in the Jewish covenant, in the Hindu covenant, in the, in the Muslim covenant, and all kinds of other covenants that have said to me, I'm absolutely convinced that there's a guardian angel out there that's got my name on their dog tag. So I'll leave it up to you to consider for your own journey, the exploration of angels and why they are there. But in the resurrection narrative as well as in the birth narrative of our Lord Jesus and all those other places in the gospel story where angels show up, there's a reason. And the reason in part is, is because they live out the exactness and the fullness of, and the greatness of God, they bear witness in that way because they, are, they live out elements of God's character. Interestingly enough, always with angels, I don't care whether it is the birth witness or the resurrection witness or some other witness, in the midst of our faith story, there's always two things that angels bring. We need to remember that today because today we, too, respond in a particular way with the Holy Communion, with the Lord's Supper. We respond to the exact same things that the angels bring and beckon God's people to be responsive to. And here are the two things that the angels bring. Number one, they bring an invitation. Always those angels bring an invitation. Whether it's the angels there announcing the birth of our Lord Jesus in Bethlehem of Judea, or whether it's that one angel or those in other gospel accounts, those two angels, sometimes called young men in dazzling white, they bring an invitation, but they also bring a destination. I want us to remember that today. The invitation that these angels bring whether it be in the passage I read or the passage that Bobby read, the invitation is to surrender fear. Let me say that again. The invitation is to surrender fear. Whatever the cause, the source, the genesis of the fear may be, the angels say to us, God says to us, do not be afraid. Surrender fear. And I think that's really right to the point, don't you? Anytime and always, we have a choice to make about whether or not we keep hold of fear or not. It doesn't have a power of its own necessarily to keep us shackled up and chained. We have a choice. And the choice the angels give to us is to surrender fear. You don't have to be afraid. Destination. The word that the angels always give us after and only after the invitation to surrender fear is once freed from fear, to go. Not sit on the premises, but stand on the promises and go. In both places, in the scripture accounts we read this morning, that we've drawn close to this morning, on this Holy Communion Sunday, there was a destination and an invitation. And the shepherds articulated that when they said, let us go down to Bethlehem and see this thing, which has happened in the resurrection narrative. And we hear the angels say, go. Jesus is going before you into Galilee. You will meet him there. Go. Surrender your fear. And go, seek out Jesus where Jesus has already gone out ahead of you. And he'll meet you there, out there in the present and the future. Go, join him there, wherever he is and whatever he's doing. Because we know wherever he is and whatever he's doing is transformative, it's redemptive, it's salvation, it is changing the world. And changing life Yes, yes. There's an invitation. there's a destination, always wrapped up in the irresistible power, in the irresistible power of God, in the incomparable wisdom of God in thee. oh yes, in the absolutely indispensable healing of God in our lives and in the world.. In just a minute, we're coming to the table of the Lord. We hear the angel's invitation. As you come, surrender fear. Whatever the fear may be, from whatever source, at whatever depth, surrender the fear and the destination. Come and then go. For this is the refueling stop of God's pilgrim This holy communion. But there's a difference here, right here, right now, in terms of what we're about to do. We're coming as a community, but we're also coming one by one. It's both. It's both. All too often we act like, sometimes we Methodists, when we come to Sundays like this or occasions like this, when we celebrate the Lord's Supper together, it's almost as if we're kind of like a herd of cats more than a community and a family of people. In that, the thought kind of is, I'm here, I'm at the altar, I have received my moment of holy communion, and that's really all that matters. I can kind of tell that sometimes, maybe you can too, if you observe folk around you, they don't seem to be particularly caring of the fact that their sisters and brothers are also coming as a pilgrim people on a journey to receive that moment of that extraordinary means of grace and as if, well, they really don't matter. People are talking to one another. People are writing their to-do list for the afternoon. People are checking their voicemail. Some, though, some, though, are quite tuned in to the fact that their sisters and brothers are joining them in the pilgrimage. You can tell they're in prayer for them. They are thinking of them. They are pondering. It is of me thing and an us thing this invitation to come and then to go. It's all of that. Back at the beginning of Jesus' story, there was a gazillion angels. A gazillion angels, but not a whole lot of people, not yet. At the resurrection portion of Jesus' journey and story. There, there's not a lot of people. Mary Magdalene, some other ladies, a couple of disciples, Simon, Peter, and John, go to the tomb and then meet in a huddled mass, a small mass, as it were, there in the upper room, waiting on the power that had been promised from on high. We come today by ones and twos and families and couples and musical ensembles and a congregation gathered here today. In in that story, one angel, one small community of people, responding faithfully to the invitation to surrender fear and to the destination to come, receive, and then to go and find Jesus out there already ahead of us. Join him there in the work and in the love that he is about. And so we do. Friends, angels, whatever you may think of them, angels are still making their rounds. And so are we.